morning. Oh, you guys are worse than last service. Uh, good morning. I always have to do it twice with students too, so it's all good. Um, listen, so glad that you've come to hang out with us today and worship with us at One Church. It's our honor to get to serve you and to uh, that you've decided of all the places you can go that you came here. Um, before we jump right into what's going to be our final week of uh, Redeeming Ruth, I wanted to make a real quick announcement. Um, we do something at One Church called Starting Point. And uh, what that is, is that's just a way that if you're, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, if you're new to this whole church thing, um, this is a way that you can come. And it's, it's a study that kind of puts all the uh, parts of the Bible together and all that good stuff. And it's a, it's a great study. It's a great uh, small group atmosphere. It happens on Sunday mornings. And if you want to be a part of that, you want to do that, the, the uh, deadline to sign up for that orientation is today. So you can do that at the Hub, okay? Um, all right, let's, let's, um, let's jump right in. I had to do that first or I would have totally forgotten. So... Um, just, uh, this is our fourth week in this series, and I've had the absolute privilege of getting to hang out with you guys for four weeks and, and talk to you from my heart and, and tell you why, uh, Ruth is such a, st- a story that had such an impact on me. And it's, it's been a blast. I don't know, uh, how much fun you guys have had, but I've sure enjoyed myself. And, um, so just thank you for that opportunity and thank you for, uh, being patient with me as I was up here. Um, today we're going to close out this beautiful, beautiful story and what is, in my opinion, the most beautiful story in the Bible and um, definitely my favorite, my favorite book in the Bible. And so um, we've, we've gone through almost every verse. We've had to skip a few chunks because there's just not enough time. But um, we started out in week one when Naomi and we met a family as a, a, a father of Elimelech, two sons, Malon, Kilion, and uh, then we met the mom who was Naomi. And uh, they decided to move from Bethlehem and go to another town for financial gain and purpose. That, that proved to not be a great decision for them. And uh, over the course of years, um, the dad died and both the sons died, living, leave, leaving Naomi to fend for herself and figure out what she was going to do and where she was going to go and all that good stuff. She had two, daughter in, uh, two daughters-in-law, um, Ruth and Orpah. Uh, we, don't, we only see Orpah in the beginning of the book, but Ruth sticks with Naomi, and when Naomi's in her darkest place, her time of suffering, uh, she hears that God is blessing in Bethlehem, and so she wants to go back towards God, and so when she's in her time of suffering and at her worst time, she chooses to go towards God, and we talked about how God's hand is in our suffering and how he uses that in times when we can't possibly understand, because on the way, uh, Ruth has what we consider her conversion experience, her chance where she decided that God is the direction she wanted to go. So uh, we're, we're, we've traveled with Naomi and Ruth, and I've, we talked about how we believe that Naomi um, was suffering and Naomi was having a rough time and that we all are going to go through rough times, but there could be a Ruth watching, a Ruth that needs to see that God is real in our life and that God is big. And because of, I believe, of what God saw, or excuse me, what Ruth saw in Naomi, um, that she became a follower of Christ, I mean, excuse me, a follower of God because Christ wasn't um, born yet. <coughs> Other than that minor detail, it's not a big deal that I messed up. Um, and so, um, uh, then we moved on to the next week, and we talked about, we met the, there's three main characters in this story. There's um, Ruth, and there's Naomi, and then there's a, a guy named Boaz. We've been affectionately calling him Bobo, and um, I have. I don't know if you guys have. Um, and uh, we met Boaz, and it was a lot of uh, it-just-so-happened moments, and it just so happened that she was in the right place at the right time, and, and uh, all these things came together just so, uh, just so it just so happened, and um, she was in the right field, and she picked the right field, and she was there the right time of day and the right day, and she met Boaz. 
who turns out to be um, someone that she falls in love with. And so we talked about God's hand in our luck. And then, um, then we missed a few uh, passages of Scripture when Bobo and uh, Ruth have their first date. And uh, they go on the first date. It goes well. But Boaz, because he's a typical guy, didn't know how to close the deal, didn't call back, didn't follow up. What can we say? It's, uh, it's, it's biblical that we're that way. And, um, and so um, we, uh, we see that go, they go six or seven weeks without hearing anything. And uh, Ruth doesn't know what's happening. She, needs a, she really needs to define the relationship kind of moment. And so she goes to um, Naomi, her mother-in-law, her, her trusted confidant, who she's gone and worked for and done things for so she can have food. And she asks, and Ruth, I mean, excuse me, Naomi gives Ruth some really questionable advice, some really risky advice. And that's where we picked up last week, and we talked about God's hand in our risk and how God uses our risk to do things that we can't possibly understand. And he calls us to do things that don't make sense a lot of times but that if we'll trust him and we'll get ourselves out of the way, he'll use that and he'll use those things to do awesome and mighty things far beyond what we can understand. And so we ended that with Boaz telling Ruth last week. We ended up Boaz telling Ruth, I'll take care of it. I got this. I'm going to tell you, know, Bobo's got you. I'm going to take care of it. But um, we, we learned last week that Boaz is what we call a family redeemer. And uh, a family redeemer is um, in the old days, for instance, if I died, um, the, my, I have two brothers, they would have the opportunity to marry my wife and take care of my children if they weren't otherwise engaged. Um, and it was thought to be a really shameful thing to not do that um, if, you were, if you were a brother. Um, but we learned that Boaz is a part of that family and that he can be a family redeemer, but we also talked about the fact that he doesn't have to be and that he goes far beyond what was required of him. He goes all the way to grace and that he doesn't have to redeem Ruth, but that he wants to because he's in love with her. But there's somebody that's closer in the family tree than he is, and that's where we left it, right there, figuring out that there was somebody else that could redeem, it, redeem her, and uh, he said he would take care of it, and we're going to skip the verses where he takes care of it. But long story short, he goes into town, he kills the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> making sure you're awake, because people are looking at me funny. Nobody died. Um, some guys were like, all right, story's finally getting good. Um, so he goes into town, he talks with the guy and basically convinces him that this isn't something he wants. So that guy gives his redeemer rights over to Boaz. And so now we're picking up. And as you heard, Boaz um, and Ruth get married and they have a baby. And in just a minute, we're going to read some of that, some of that scripture. So I know that's a lot to catch up on. And so if you haven't been here, um, I wanted you to know where we were going so that you wouldn't think I'm just up here rambling about random things for, for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Um, the, the, um, the thing that I've gotten, the question I've gotten over the last few weeks about this is, um, and one of the things I hear most often is, um, you know, th- I hear that I'm passionate. Um, and my wife would go, duh. Uh, uh, she actually said she heard somebody say it the other day, and she was thinking to herself, they haven't heard anything yet. Um, they've never seen me watch Duke play basketball. Anyway, um, so, um, but I, I'm very passionate about this story, and I've had a lot of people say, why, why, why does this story mean so much to you? And I think that it's really important for me to start there and for you to understand that this book means so much to me, and this book is such a, a picture for me because I think when I look at it and I look at it from see, have read, have, having read it all, you see that this book started with a funeral. And with Naomi and Ruth in the worst place they could be, their whole family had died, and, and they were making choices to go, and Ruth was crossing all kinds of uh, racial boundaries and all kinds of uh, faux pas and things you just don't do. And, and they were, it starts there at a funeral with suffering and hardship and hard times. And then it ends with a baby, and it ends with a wedding, and it ends with Ruth 
Ruth's beautiful redemption coming to pass and that it started in a bad place and that things get rough and things are tough and you know just because you choose that hey God I want to be I want to I want to I'm all in I want to believe in you I want to believe in your son I I want to serve you well just because you choose that doesn't mean that your life circumstance will automatically make this immediate drastic shift and everything in your life will be made perfect and from then on you will live in a happy little field with daisies and a nice house. It's just not the way it works. I don't know why I said daisies. Um, but that's just not the way it goes. And we saw that with Ruth because she had to fight and she had to claw and she had to work to get to where she was going. She had to go and she had to glean and do a job that nobody else wanted to do just so that she could get something for her and her mother-in-law to eat, just so she could have something for her and her mother-in-law to, so that they could live because they were basically homeless. <laughs> Excuse me. So this is, you know, it starts there and she works hard and then God uses some suffering in her life and then God uses some it just so happened moments in her life and then God takes her risks and he uses that and then we see that all come to pass in this beautiful story of Ruth's redemption. We see this all come to pass as Boaz redeems Ruth into his family and redeems Ruth back to where she could be and where she was supposed to be and she has a baby and that baby ends up being a part of a genealogy that changes the world. And that's why this book means so much to me. That's why this story is so powerful to me because it's my life. It's a fact of, it's just the facts that I started in a bad place and I didn't come from much of nothing and I don't really got much of nothing to offer. But God is so much bigger than me and he uses my weakness and when I'll get myself out of the way, he'll take what I can't do very well. He'll take what I can't do and say and he'll use it to do bigger things than I can ever imagine because in my weakness, God is made strong. And so that's why I love this story because I believe with all my heart, and this is the big idea, that redemption is a process. Redemption is a process. The, the, the act of being bought, the act of the fact that God already paid the price and that Jesus has already taken care of it, yeah, that's done, and all we have to do is accept the gift, but our redemption, our coming back full circle, our coming back to under the understanding that God created us and he wants us to be in relationship with him, that, whole, that, that part of the redemption and restoration, I believe with all my heart, is a process. And it's not always a fun one. But God will use the things that we don't think he'll use, and he'll use every part of it. Because the thing that I love about God is that he uses every part of my life. He uses every circumstance I'm in. He uses everything that I'm a part of to pursue me into relationship, to pursue me into being in relationship with him. And so that's where I want us to start is just understanding because you're going to hear me say several times. I said last uh, service I was going to say it a lot and uh, one a, a little girl came up to me that was in here and said, you said you were going to say it this many times and you said it 13. Um, so maybe I'll get there again. Um, but redemption is a process and I want to hammer that in if you walk out of here thinking, you know, I really wasted my life. I hope that sticks in your mind that redemption is a process and that God uses every part of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the not so fun to bring, to redeem you and to make you more than you ever thought you could imagine if you'll just get you out of the way and let God operate and let God do what God does. Because though it doesn't always make sense and though it sometimes hurts, God's still in control and God's still good. So we're going to start, we're going to read right out of Ruth um, from chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 13. <coughs> I'm, I'm dying, I'm sorry. Verse 13, so Boaz shook Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. So they got married. It was the wedding day. It was beautiful. When, she, when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. So they got married. 
they had a honeymoon. They do what people do on honeymoons, and apparently Boaz is a sniper, and, you know, one shot, they're pregnant, they're having a baby. Um, go ahead and write down, you want to email any questions about that to Chris at onechurch.tv. Um, and then so they, they go, they get married, they, they go on the honeymoon, it goes uh, unexpectedly well, and um, they're having a baby, they have a, they have a son. And then in verse 14, I love this verse. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. I love that statement. I absolutely love it. And I want to tell you why. Because I think that these women are claiming something because they have seen what Ruth and Naomi have gone through. They have seen that Ruth and Naomi have struggled and fought and that, it, you know, they show up and they're homeless and they got nothing and she has to go glean. And they just know that God has orchestrated this deal and God's been behind this whole thing from the, the beginning and that he's put their steps in order. And so that this, they know that this child has a special purpose and that this child is going to do some amazing things. And I love that statement. Because I think it's important for us to remember that in the midst of us thinking we are never, ever, ever going to get to the other side and things are never, ever going to get better, that God has got something bigger at play and that God is doing something more than we can imagine. When Ruth left Moab to come to Bethlehem, she probably did not think that she would be redeemed by this amazing man and then she would have a baby, a baby boy that would end up a part of just changing the world. That's incredible for me. And I think they knew that. And I think we've all seen that. There's a lot of couples in my life that I've seen that, you know, didn't think they could have babies or, you know, they, they shouldn't even be married. But God just did something and worked in it and just helped them, you know, and led them to get married. And they got pregnant and it all worked out. And they believed. And even though it was tough and they thought they were never going to get there. And then you just know. You can just step back and you can just know God's going to do something with that family. God's going to do something with that story. God's going to take that story and he's going to. He's really going to wreck some people's lives. And he's going to take that child, and that child's going to change its world. And so I say that on two fronts. Number one, if you've been there, you need to share that with people because that's what they need to hear. They need to hear the story of how it looked awful, but God's big. And if not, if you're in that place where you're like, you know what, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. I don't ever know if I'm going to get through this. I want you to hear me say that Ruth probably felt the same way. And Ruth probably wondered if she was ever going to get on the flip side. And Naomi probably wondered if she was ever going to get on the flip side of this. But they walked away, and the book starts with a, a funeral, and it ends with a wedding and a baby. Because redemption is a process. Redemption is a process, full of the good and the bad and the ugly. So the may the Lord bless this child. May this child be famous in Israel. I think they, were, I think they knew, man, that this, this kid has had to get through a lot and had to overcome a lot just to be, a, be conceived. And so we know that God's going to do something. Then we're going to go, verse 15. May he restore your youth and take care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. And this is just a a statement to Ruth's character. She just chose and chose to fight for Naomi and to be a part of Naomi's life and and to find her food and to just help her and be there. And she had just has tremendous character and she refuses not to fight and she refuses not um, to, to give up. And so it just is a way of her saying, you know, if this child is half the woman that Ruth is, or excuse me, half the person that Ruth is, um, then you're in good shape. This child's going to make you young. It's going to, I mean, you know, you know how grandparents are. I can't wait to be a grandparent. I don't have to discipline, just give them everything they want. Um, send them home. You know, I don't, I love, don't, I probably won't change any more diapers ever. Um, <clears throat> 
I can say that, though, because I've got three and one on the way. I've changed way too many. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jump down to verse 18, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, Hebrew phone book reading. Um, and that's my way of saying we're going to read some names that are complicated. Um, and uh, the reason I want to do this is because this is going to paint kind of a picture for us of, of what, this, uh, what this family tree looks like and how this family tree drastically changes because of Ruth and because of Boaz and because they have a son named Obed. And so I just want to read through some of this with you. Um, it's, sorry. Um, this is the genea- genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. We're going to skip down to verse 21 because I can't read most of those names. 21, Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. King David, you know who he is. He's that. He's the guy that, you know, there's a little bit about him in Psalms. Um, he was kind of a big deal, you know. Um, David was an amazing man of God, and he made mistakes, and he had ups and downs. But the thing that even blows my mind any further, even further is that there's only one other time in the Bible that Ruth is mentioned. Outside of the book of Ruth, there's only one other time that Ruth is mentioned. And that's in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And that's the beginning, and that's the, the, the starting point of, of Matthew. And they go, through the, they go through the genealogical, and they trace it all the way back to Jesus. And we find out and we see that Obed is a descendant of Jesus. And that Obed is, what, is what's inevitably going to lead to Jesus' father, Joseph. And then right out beside Obed, they put whose mother was Ruth. And I think this has huge implications because Matthew was a book that challenged and challenged and challenged rules and said and really made it its priority to say it's not about rules and it's not about do this and don't do this and do this and don't do that and if you do this this will happen and if you do this this will happen and if you follow these rules God will bless you and if you do this you'll get everything you've ever wanted Matthew really works hard to challenge that and to go against that and to say it's not about rules but it's about relationship it's not about doing this for God so that you get this from God but it's about being in relationship with God because he created you to love you and to be in relationship with you so I think that's huge that the author takes a moment to say whose mother was Ruth, whose mother had no reason to expect that she would ever be a part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, whose mother came and was suffering and really was in a town that was full of sin and awful things and came and had a conversion and her redemption was a process and she had suffering and she had a whole bunch of it just so happened moments and she had a whole bunch of stuff that just didn't make any sense happen and then she was asked to take risks that she didn't really want to take and that probably didn't make any sense but she was driven by faith and she chose to do it and God used her to birth a son that was the, is, tra- is traced back to Jesus. Because I think that the book of Ruth is all about God's grace in our life and God reminding us that he is our Boaz. Because Boaz went far beyond what was required of him all the way to grace for Ruth. Boaz didn't have to marry her, but he wanted to because he was in love with her. Boaz didn't have to stay with her and believe in her, but he wanted to because he was in love with her. He didn't have to fight for her, but he wanted to because he was in love with her. And he did that because he wanted to be in relationship with her. And I think it's really important for us to understand that God is our glorious Boaz. God is the Boaz in our life because we all have a family redeemer. And we may not believe in that old tradition anymore, but Jesus Christ, he was our Boaz who came 
came and lived the life we could not live and then paid and died the death that we deserved. He came and did what we couldn't do and lived a perfect and was a perfect sacrifice and died the death that we deserved. So that not so that we could follow rules and so we could do this and do that and do this and do that and this equals this and if you do this, this will happen. But so that we could engage in relationship with Jesus Christ. So we could engage in relationship with God and who he is and what he has for our life. But we have to change our perspective on what our life looks like. And we have to realize that there's going to be good and there's going to be bad and there's going to be ugly and it's going to be tough and we're going to want to quit and we're going to want to give up. And then things are going to go great and we're going to have a whole bunch of it just so happens and it just so happens and it just so happens. And then God's going to call us to do something way outside of our comfort zone and he's going to shake our world up a bit. And if we'll just believe in him and trust that he's good and that he's got this in control, then he'll provide and he'll do something we never possibly imagined because every part of your life is God's redemption in your life. The suffering, he's not punishing you, he's redeeming you. It's not just good luck or it just so happened, but it's part of redemption. It's not a risk that he's trying to take because he wants you to look like an idiot, but he's redeeming you and he's using you to redeem the people around you. That's huge. Those three little words, whose mother was Ruth, he wants them to know that the gospel of grace was starting and was going to be, was here before, before. Jesus came. He was already setting us up to understand the gospel of grace and the gospel of being redeemed and that we have a glorious Boaz in Jesus Christ and a glorious Boaz in God. He knew what that story was about. He understood that the redemption of your life, the redemption of your life is capped off because you have a glorious Boaz. In Jesus, who came and lived a life that we cannot live and died the death we deserve to live. I mean, deserve to die, excuse me. Jesus is our glorious Boaz. And everything in your life, every part of your life is redemption. It's not just, okay, God, here it is. I, forgive me, I'm good. I got my get-out-of-jail-free card, everything's gravy. It's just not like that. I wish it was. We'd fill up these seats, and people would be dying to come talk to us if we could prove it. It's just not the way it is. There's just not any support for it biblically. Paul would severely disagree with me that you can just believe in Jesus and nothing bad will ever happen to you. Peter would very much so not like me for making that statement and wonder how he didn't get the right end of that stick. It's just not the way it is. There's good and there's bad and there's, there's pretty and there's ugly. But just like if I put a huge canvas up here and I started painting this picture. And it was, you know, I had to get out some, you know, baby poo green, you know what I mean? And I put it on and everybody in the room's like, oh my God, what is that color? What's happening? And it's really disgusting. But by the end of the picture, by the time I'm done, it's this beautiful thing. It's this beautiful masterpiece that has been painted. And it's this beautiful picture. And you never even would have known, known that the ugly green was in there. And that's what your life is. There's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And there's going to be some really bad. And you're going to think you're never going to come out on the flip side. You're never going to come out on the other end. But God is using every part of your life, the suffering, the it just so happened, the risks, using every part of it as a picture of your redemption because you're his masterpiece. He's using you to paint a masterpiece. And he thinks that you're that special. And there's people in here right now that don't think they're worth redeeming. And let me just tell you, I can 
completely relate because where a lot of people hear these self-defecating remarks, I have to have, you know, and they're like, oh, he's so funny. It's, I have a problem with that. I've gotten yelled at several times um, by people coming up to me like, didn't do a good job. Stop that. The talking bad about yourself thing. Um, I have an issue with just seeing anything good inside of myself. Because I don't think that I, there's anything in me worth being redeemed. And that I've done enough bad and enough, enough nasty things and just been a jerk enough times and disgraced God and disgraced the gospel and disgraced all that stuff enough times that I just figure, you know what, there's really nothing inside of me worth redeeming. But I have to remember that I started out with God. In Genesis 1-1, or in Genesis 1, it says that God breathed the breath of life into man. That he, that we started with him and that he breathes the breath of life into us. In Psalm 119, it tells us that God knit us together in our mother's room and before, in our mother's womb. And before he ever created anything, before there was a blade of grass, before there was any oceans, anything, that he knew what our life was going to look like. That he knew what we, that he wanted to create us and he wanted to be in relationship with us. And despite knowing how disgusting and filthy we would be, and despite knowing that we would make bad choices and we would disgrace his name, he still chose us. He could have said, you know what, I'm done, I'm out. This isn't going to work out right. But rather than do that, he goes far beyond what's required of him. He goes far beyond what he has to do and what he's supposed to do. And he goes all the way to grace and he creates us because he wants to be in relationship with us. He creates us because he wants to engage us in relationship and show us a love unlike we've ever known. But if we give up in those times, when in, in that process, in that process of redemption, if we give up, if we walk away and we stop, then we will miss the beauty of our picture. We will miss the fact that even though we didn't really like that color and we would really prefer that it not be in there, that God is painting his masterpiece and that you are the masterpiece. And there's something so beautiful for that. There's something so beautiful about that for me when we talk about the beauty of God's redemption and we talk about that redemption is every part of our not life, not just the parts that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. God's redemption is a process. And every part of your life is coming together to paint a beautiful masterpiece. And God could have said, you know what? I didn't do so good on this round. I'm going to start over. But he chose you. He chose you. Knowing ahead of time that we would cost him his son. Knowing ahead of time that we would disgrace and hurt and cause pain to him. He found something so beautiful in humanity and so beautiful in each one of you and so amazing in each one of you that he chose that he wanted to push forward and create you anyway because we he knew about us before he ever created anything. And so he uses that story of Ruth to say, you know what, there was suffering and it was bad and it was we didn't think we were ever going to come out on the flip side, but we did. And then we had all these just, it just so happened moments and I couldn't believe it and everything lined up exactly how it was supposed to, but that's God's redemption. And then God asked me to take a, ri- a risk that I really didn't want to take and it called me way outside of my comfort zone and I did it and God did something I could have never imagined because that's God's redemption. And I want you to hear me say something that the thing that blows my mind about the gospel, the thing that blows my mind most about the redemption is that every day that God has called me and that my job is such that every single day of my life I can play a part in someone else's redemption. I can play a part in the redemption of your children and and the students at this church. That blows my mind. Every day I get up and I look into the mirror and I'm like, are you sure you want to use me for this? 
because you could definitely find somebody better qualified. And he just reminds me ever so subtly, hey, stupid, get yourself out of the way. He doesn't call me stupid. I do that. <laughs> get yourself out of the way because where you're weak, where you're weak, I can be made strong because I am your glorious Boaz. And I lived the life you could not live and died the death that you deserve. Because I'm that crazy about being in relationship with you. And a part of your redemption is that I'm going to use you in the redemption story of the people around you. That blows my mind. That even at my worst, even in my toughest times, even when I want to give up and swan dive off of a tall building, God still wants to use me in the redemption story of people around me. And that if I'll just get myself out of the way, and I'll just realize and look at it from the perspective of God is redeeming me in every part of my life, in the good and the bad and the ugly. He's painting a masterpiece. He's painting a beautiful thing. And though I might not like the colors, though I might not like every when it's done, I'm going to stand before Jesus and I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for not being so wrapped up in yourself. Thank you for not being so wrapped up in your situation at the moment and choosing me and going towards me and being a part of the people's redemption around you. Thank you for letting me redeem you because just like Ruth, I've suffered and I've had good luck and I've been called into risk that didn't make any sense and God fought for me when he didn't have to and he pursued me with everything in my life and just like Ruth, my redemption is a process. My redemption is a process have to choose to go toward God. I got a good friend. Been friends with him for many, many years. Probably my closest that I have. And I just watched him go through the roughest year I've seen somebody go through. It's just it was just bad. And and I'm not gonna share all the details with you. It just he had a bad he had a rough go. We've all had them. This was one of those, though, I didn't ever think he was going to, like, I didn't, I'm, I'm wondering, God, are you really going to bring him out on the other side of this? And because, you know, we all do it, we get in bad situations, and things are piling on, and it just gets rough and rougher and rougher, and, you know, some of his choices weren't the best, but he always managed to choose God and kept, kept, going, kept going towards God. And I just, I watched him from afar, and I can honestly tell you, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life that I've prayed as hard for anybody as I have this guy. And I don't say that to say, oh, I'm so amazing. It's just to say how dire his situation was. I just didn't think he was ever going to come out. And he, you know, he was in his first year of marriage, and she's battling through some of her demons from childhood. And if you ever want to know what's wrong with you or what demons you have, get married. Um, It'll come out real quick. Because uh, when you live with somebody all the time and you stay with somebody all the time, they're not shy to point it out. You know, but just like with any relationship, you have to fight for it. And you have to, you have to be determined that that's what you're going to be in. And so I just watched this couple and they just both just going through tough times, a rough time. And I remember thinking, as I was getting ready for this, I remember thinking how I had to watch him in his worst moments. In the moments where he didn't want to be anywhere. And he didn't want to do anything. He chose God. Every single time he just chose to go towards God and to remember that his redemption is a process. And she did the same thing. And even though it seemed like they were never going to come out, they just kept choosing God and kept choosing God and kept choosing God. And 
what I want you to know is that I love my job, uh, but sometimes the hardest thing about being a pastor is that um, whereas you guys can go to work and then go home and then just shut yourself off from people, kind of our job is people. Uh, it's weird, I know. Um, and so we don't really have that luxury. And so every week we have to be here, and we got to suck it up, and we got to do, and we don't have to be fake because I couldn't be. You know, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and so I just, I wouldn't be able to be, And but you have to fight through, and you still got to love on people, and you still got to do what God's called you to do. And so the guy I'm telling you about right now is our worship pastor, Josh Woodley. And every single week I watched him get up here in his worst moments and his most depressed moments and his moments where he didn't think there was ever going to be a light at the end of his tunnel. And I watched him lead you guys right to the throne of Jesus Christ. I watched him engage you in worship. I watched him choose God time and time again and choose God even when it hurt and choose God when he didn't want to anymore because he understands that God, that our redemption is a process and that there's good and there's bad and that there's ugly and that there's pretty. But that at the end of the day, God's going to do something bigger with our lives and so every week while you had no idea what was going on he chose God and he chose to come out here and to lead into worship and to trust that God was bigger than him and that there was something bigger at play and that God was going to use this circumstance so he could have for some part of his redemption and for some part of his story so that he could be playing a part in the redemption of others and what I want you to hear me say is that at your worst point if you believe in Jesus at your absolute worst point when you want to give up and when you want to call it quits if you choose God if you go towards God he will use you just the way he's used Josh for the past year as nobody really knew only people really close to him knew what was going on in his life used him for the past year to play a part in the redemption of the people that come through one church every week that's incredible for me. And I got to watch that. And now I get to see his marriage start to really blossom. I see the way she looks at him, the way he looks at her. Like they crazy in love with each other. They've gotten over that first year thing, you know, where you want to kill each other every day. Now they're going to have a baby. And her name's Madison. And I had no doubt that Madison will change the world. And that Madison will be famous in all the world. Because I watched as circumstance after circumstance after circumstance happened. And at the time it looked like this big jumble and mess of stuff. But God was good. And God was in control. And I have not a doubt in my mind that Madison Pearl Woodleaf is going to change the world. Because God, redemption is a process. And I can't wait for the day when I'm hanging out with Madison and I get to say, you won't believe what mom and dad went through before you got here. You won't believe what I saw them walk through. Your mom and dad chose God. Your mom and dad chose God every time. When they didn't want to and when it hurt, they chose God. And their story is beautiful. And you come from a line and a legacy that's being created for you of people that chose God and that believe in the story of his redemption.
It's not about do this, don't do that. It's not about rules. It's, not, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's about understanding the beauty of his redemption. And it's about understanding that every part of your life is him redeeming you and him using you to impact redemption in the people around you. And that is huge. And it changes your perspective on who and what God really is in your life when you start to look at it through that lens. When you start to process through it of the fact that God is using everything in your life to redeem you. And everything in your life to pursue you and to fight for you. Because you have a God that thinks so much of you that he fights for you. And when Josh was at his lowest point, God was fighting for him. And God was battling for him. And when Sam was at her lowest point, God was fighting for her. And God was battling for her. And all they could do was choose God and choose God. And now they're on the flip side coming out of it. And they can look back and they know Madison Pearl's going to change the world. Because God's bigger than what we can see right now. God's bigger than what we can see in this moment. I tell you, I was at a time in my life where I needed to see God do something big. And so as Josh was a Naomi, someone who was suffering and having a rough time, I got the privilege of being a Ruth. I got the privilege of letting God, impact, that God impacted me through seeing what God did through Josh's life and through Samantha's life. I got to be a Ruth. God used them in my redemption because I needed to be reminded that God is so much bigger than right now. And it's so much bigger than these moments. And that there's something bigger at play. And that our redemption is a process. And if we'll just get to the flip side, we're going to see that God used us in ways we cannot possibly imagine. We go today. Band's going to come back out. We're going we're gonna to worship. I, I, as I was getting ready for today, I just couldn't. I couldn't see us ending it any other way but than to worship. Just to do an outward expression of what God's doing inward in us. And so as we do that, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. As we get ready to, to go into another uh, short time of worship, I just want, I mean, you want to sing, great, uh, that's awesome. But the thing we want you to do most is we want you to really think about how God has been redeeming in your life, how God has used every part of your life to redeem you and to pursue you and to come after you because that's why this book is so beautiful to me because it started with a funeral. It started with people at their lowest point. It ends with a wedding and a baby. There's no more beautiful picture than that of good, bad, ugly, pretty, lucky. It's all redemption. It's all God's redemption for us. He pursues us. So as they do that, I want you to think about that in your own life. I'm not lying to you. Yesterday, I got to crying so hard thinking about it in my life as the people at the coffee shop came to check on me. They were like, are you okay? Please get away from me. Because when I think of that, getting married at 17, having a baby, getting a GED, being 
and an idiot for the next three or four years. Today, I get the privilege of standing before you and telling you about the beauty of God's redemption. Not because it's some fantasy I live in. Because God redeemed me. And every day, I get the opportunity to play a part in someone else's redemption. How has God used your redemption? Father, we just, uh, Father, we just thank you that uh, you lived the life we could not live and died the death that we deserve. We thank you, Father, that you are our glorious Boaz and that you go far beyond what's required of you, far beyond what you have to do, far beyond what the law says. And you go all the way to grace to pursue us and to come after us and to redeem us and to allow us to be a part of the redemption of others. Father, I thank you of how you used the story of Ruth to open up something in my life to help me understand that everything in my life is a part of redemption. That it's a process. And though it feels like at times we're never, ever going to get through You're so much bigger than that. And that you're putting all of our life together to redeem us and to use us in the redemption of the people around us. Because, Father, we started with you when you breathed into us, when you created us and you knew what you wanted for our lives before you created anything we knew. I mean, you knew what you wanted for us. We started with you, and this is a process of bringing us back to you, Father. And in one day, if we choose to trust in you, and if we choose to believe in you, we will stand before you in your glory, and we will get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll get to see the masterpiece that was our lives. And then even though at times it looked like, God, that's a horrible color, and that's just awful, that you were doing something, and there was something bigger at play, and that we are your masterpiece, Father. We are your masterpiece. Father, thank you that there is no one that's greater. There's no one that's higher that you're using every part of us, every part of our lives for our redemption. In your name we pray.